Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. I want to talk this morning, and I hope we're in a place where we can hear it. <laughs> hearing the voice of God, hearing, really hearing the voice of God. And um, Can we, uh, just for a second, thank our, our worship team? Um, do you guys enjoy the worship that happens on a Sunday morning? There's a... There's so much work and effort that goes into that, and, and something that you might not even be aware of is that, that they wear these, um, you might see them, those little, those in-ears, they're called in-ear monitors, and so we don't have monitors on the floor, and so how do they hear, you know, what's going on? They're, they're hearing it in their, in their ears, and what's in their ears happening along with their instruments is this click. It's a metronome. It's keeping pace. It's keeping time. It's keeping everybody together. It's giving direction, right? So as they're singing, as they're playing, this is going. At the same time, there's this thing called the guide. So this click, this metronome is going. It's keeping pace better than me, and that's why we have it. And it's though pretty good for talking and clicking at the same time, right? Okay, I expected a little more applause for that. But so they're having that guide in their, their ear. And the, and the guide, see that? The guide says this, intro, two, three, four. And then the, right? And then the guitars come in. The drums come in, right? They know when to start. And the verse, chorus. Bridge, so that's all going on in their head. You didn't know how hard they work and how talented they really are and how God is really able to, to use them through all of that. And so they got the click and they've got the guide. And then they've got a, a band leader that will also speak and say, wrong note, no. <laughs> but he will help where the guide doesn't. And he will help lead, and he will help direct, and he will help, uh, help them along with transitions and energy and encouragement. And so there's a little, little bit behind it. Kind of cool, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. But there's that inner voice that's happening that's giving them direction, giving them pace, giving them that, that, that voice that's, that's driving them on. And so have you ever had that voice in your head, or am I the only one that kind of hears voices in my head? No? Okay. So let's, let's, keep, let's keep on talking. I'll, I'll keep on talking. You shut up. Okay. So you have, the, you have the inner voice in your head. It's a leading, right? It's prompting you to do something. It could be good, and it could also be bad, right? We have that, that inner dialogue that happens. And is it just me, or does it sound like the same voice? It's the exact same voice. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it sounds like, like me. So Scripture will tell us that the Holy Spirit speaks to us from the inside. He speaks to us on the inside, to the inside of us. So listen to a few examples out of the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 29 says this, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go and join this chariot. The Spirit says to Philip, this chariot, it's pretty specific directions. 
right? And God is setting up this divine encounter between Philip in this passage and the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip is listening to that voice speaking to him on the inside because it's not, not, Jesus didn't show up and say, Philip, it's the spirit speaking to him on the inside. Or how about Paul in uh, Acts 16? Paul and his group is listening to the direction it's that inside voice, the inside is hitting, they're uh, going on their journey, they would be called his missionary journeys, right? And they would, natural human uh, tendencies would be to, to hit all these major influential cities that they're walking on. But that inside voice is telling them to go on, is giving them the, it would be called the Macedonian call there in, in uh, chapter 16, you can read about it. So as they're on this Via Sebaste or Sebast. I don't know, I don't, I don't speak that, that language, but it's a road, it's a military road, it's a road that they would use. So as they're, they're hitting these major uh, influential cities along this military road, they, it's a 400 mile journey on foot, mind you, and they're doing it at their direction, at the leading of the spirit of Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse six in, in chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to my Asia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus, the voice on the inside, did not allow them. So the spirit of Jesus, which was on the inside of Paul, told him, don't go there, yeah? Not that city. Keep walking. Don't go there either. Keep walking, this 400 mile journey. They're bypassing all these influential cities to go to where the spirit of Jesus on the inside was saying, telling him to go. So a couple of weeks ago, Jen and I, we, um, we got away and we're having breakfast, just the two of us, so good. And uh, we're at the House of Pancakes in uh, Champaign. Anybody, any fans? No? Okay. It's a great, great place. Uh, my first time. But So we play, paid our bill and we're sitting there conversing and that inside voice speaks to me and says, you should be generous. You should give a, a gift to this waitress. And it was a voice on the inside. Now, now that I don't think was my voice because I would never come up with something like that on my own. And it wasn't, you know, an evil voice. So it's, it's this voice on the inside. So I did what every, you know, probably every husband would do. I turned to my wife and I say, how much money do you have in your purse? Right? And, um, so we're able to, to, to bless this waitress and, and uh, we're able to pray with her right there in the middle. It was, it was a, kind of a life-changing moment for her and it was just simple obedience to that inside voice that made a huge impact on the waitress that day. It's that inside voice. Now I've also been, um, I've been alone at night. Jen and the kids out of town on a trip and that inside voice speaking to me. You should do something that's going to challenge your, your character. Right? It's, gonna, it's gonna compromise your integrity as a, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. I didn't listen to that voice, but it sure sounded like that same voice. So maybe that real question that we should be asking is, how do we sort it all out? Is anybody there? Like, can we... The fact is, not, not every voice that is on the inside is the voice of God. So what is it? There are two strong voices. There's that leading voice and there's that misleading voice. If you'll turn with me, open your, your Bibles to John 10. 
We're going to start in verse 2. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. That leading voice, the voice of the shepherd, is Jesus. So we have the Savior's voice. The misleading voice is the voice of the stranger here in the text. Now, John, who's writing this, assumes that we know the Savior's voice, the shepherd's voice, the leading voice of Jesus, and that we would run from the stranger. But unfortunately, that is not true for, for me, right? It's not true for so many of us. We don't truly know. We don't always know the voice of Jesus, and we don't always run from the stranger, a lot of us grew up with stranger danger, and if your name is Chester, I'm sorry, because there's a little rhyme about you that you might not know. But I heard, I heard it described as this, like a dog leash. It can be seen as, as restrictive, right, a dog leash. It, it can be seen as, as chains, as holding me back. My dog will absolutely choke itself out trying to run ahead of that leash. But it's also going to be known as, there's, a, there's another name, bless you, a lead, Right? You can, it can be uh, a lead, and the lead speaks of direction. It speaks of safety. It speaks of destination. A lead speaks of, of protection, of purpose, and care. You're leading. For believers in Christ, the Savior's voice is on the inside of you because Christ now indwells us by his spirit. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We are internally being led. He speaks to us on the inside. Now you may be saying, gear down, big shifter. Or, or not, I don't know if you use that language or not. But I thought God speaks to us through the Bible, through the word, through the scripture. But consider, if you will, how that works. So you have your Bible open, Right, your journal might be situated close beside and you, you got this steaming hot cup of, of coffee. Right? It's a pour over, French press, I don't know your speed. but uh, and, and something just begins to, to jump off the page as you read the scripture. Right? It just stands out. It's this illumination that begins to lead to this eternal dia internal dialogue with God. And maybe there's something about your life, your choices, your lifestyle that doesn't line up with what you're reading in scripture and there's this conviction, there's this sadness, right? There's, it leads to this, this pause for prayer and this conversation begins with the Lord and you're now interacting with him and he's talking you through the word and, but the real transformation and the dialogue, the conversation with God that originated with the scripture that you had just opened, that's the spirit speaking on the inside and that's where the real transformation happens. And you might be saying, well, I really... I hear God and I thought he spoke through sermons. Consider, if you will, how that works. Today in this room, there's gonna be maybe a hundred different sermons preached. Maybe this has happened to you, Jeff or myself, and maybe your favorite podcast is speaking and the voice on the inside begins to highlight something. Right? You begin your conversation with God and what, you're, what uh, I am beginning to communicate and speak up here, it seems almost secondary. Because now the Lord is speaking, and it's probably already happened this morning that the Lord begins to lead you. He begins to give you some direction, maybe challenge you concerning something that you've 
been walking through, and it, 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 might, it might not even be something that I've said up here, but you're feeling, you're sensing, you're hearing something in your heart and saying, I need to fix this. I need to change this. I need to grow in this area. I can't tell you how many times someone has come up to me after service and they begin to describe the, the sermon that was just preached. The problem is I never said that. Right? Maybe you've experienced that. The problem is I, n- I never said that, but that's not my conclusion. That's not the point I got to. But the real transformation comes with that dialogue, that conversation that started right, as God begins to speak. And it originated with this, the sermon. It started with the sermon, but the voice is speaking to you on the inside. It's that leading voice of the shepherd. We have the spirit and his voice on the inside. But there's also the misleading voice. It's what John there described as the voice of the stranger. But the stranger, he feels all too familiar, doesn't feel strange at all. It's annoying. It can be frustrating and it can be slick and crafty. So who is that? Or what is that? Where does that voice come from? Right, it's a, it's a stranger as far as John is concerned. But hopefully it will be a stranger no more this morning when, when we're done here today. So I'm going to introduce you to that voice. You're going to know who it is and you're going to know how to stop listening to it. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would open up your word. God, as we open up your word that you would speak. You're living on the inside. God, for those of us that would call you Lord, you are on the inside of us and we ask you to speak to us today, God, in only the way that you can. God, that you would cut right to the heart of matters. God, that you would be illuminating, highlighting, instructing, and correcting us. God, we position ourselves right now, this morning, to hear you today. Amen. So, right, let's get to, uh, let's get to work. Open your Bible to Romans 7. I call this the doo-doo passage. So let's uh, step right in it. All right? it, is <laughs> it is, in fact, all about the doo-doo we find ourselves in. Right? Even when we are aware it's there, we still find ourselves stepping in it anyway. So I saw this video this week, and I couldn't help but watch it in context of this, this message this morning. It was, um, even as I was driving in uh, to the office this week, I caught them talking about the same story on the radio. And I'm like, okay, I, I hear you, God. I'm definitely going to put it in the message. But they found this, this sheep. I don't know if you saw it. They found this sheep wandering in, in Australia, and it had been wandering around for, for several years, and it had been tagged, but that identified, owned by a shepherd, but that, that uh, tag had been ripped out, and so it had a shepherd at one time, but it had walked away at some point. Its wool coat was, was heavy, it was overgrown, it, it couldn't see, it had trouble uh, even walking around, so they took, they ended up taking like 80 pounds of wool off of this sheep, they, they estimate maybe five, six years it had been wandering around, it was so burdened. It was so weighed down by being away from the shepherd that uh, it, it listened, if you will, to that misleading voice that it caused the sheep to wander and be vulnerable to the elements. So in shearing, the sheep, wounds and ulcers were uncovered right? and even made some fresh nicks and as they're, they're shearing the sheep and as they, they work to, to save it, save its life. And the healing process would then begin and they, they would apply ointment and bedding and nourishment was provided and he was uh, in the care of a good shepherd once again. It's maybe important to also note that they called this place an animal sanctuary where he would find sanctuary. The sheep, you could say, had been listening to that misleading voice. The voice, this misleading voice, we're going to identify him. The Apostle Paul would call it 
sin. So before we get into seven that I told you to open up to, I'm going to pull a real quick psych moment in uh, 90s. Anybody grow up in the 90s? Okay. So uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, before we jump into seven. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to obey its passions. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sin is the word harmartia in Greek in the original language. It's, uh, I don't speak Greek. I had to look it up. It's a noun. Previous to this in Romans, it's been used as, a, as the verb hermarton or sinning, right? The act of sinning. You are maybe familiar with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sinned, it's the act, it's a verb. Um, have sinned, it's the act of sinning. But here in, in 6, it, it's a noun, hermartia. And you remember uh, maybe your first grammar lesson. A noun is a person, a place, or a, oh yeah, I heard somebody, not everybody, shame on you. Um, so it's, yes, it's a thing. It's something real. Here Paul is saying that there is sin that wants to reign, wants to have control, wants to have power in your life. It wants you to obey its passions. Sin has passions. And it wants to control you, to reign over you, to make you obey them. Right? Another version would say this, and maybe you're like, mine doesn't say passions. It says evil desires. Sin wants you to make you obey the evil desires that it puts in your mind. So what a counterfeit to the good shepherd. Your savior that wants to lead you, that you would know him and follow him because he's laid down his life and he has your best interests in mind. But sin wants to reign. Right? It wants to reign, but listen, in your mortal bodies. Did you catch that? Did you read that? In your mortal bodies. Jesus' perspective isn't your mortal body, but your eternal. Right? He has your eternity in mind. So let's walk through some of this passage in Romans 7. Paul's describing here what it looks like when we follow that misleading voice, what that leading astray looks like and can lead to. This is the, what life can look like if we listen to the power of sin within us. Starting in verse 15 of chapter 7. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Nobody here this morning watching online, right? Nobody can relate to that, right? We're, right? But what I, what I want to do, I don't do. But what I didn't want to do, I end up doing just me. Okay, so verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree the law with the law that it is good. So after I do something I know is wrong, right? I know it's wrong. I knew it was wrong. I know that, but I did it anyway. Verse 17. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells with me. So it's in me, but it's not me. Hear this. It's saying it's in you, but it's not you. Sin is in me, but it's not me. This is hugely important. Huge, hugely important here. The power of sin is in us. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Yes. It's in you, but it's not you. It's like we have a, it's not like we have a, a good side. It's not like, hear me say not. It's not like we have a good side and a bad side. We do not have two natures. Scripture is pretty clear on this. If you are an unbeliever, you are in Adam. Right? Adam was the one who, listened, who first listened to that voice of sin. Right? That is your nature. You're lost. You are spiritually dead. 
eternally separated from the presence of God. But if you're in Christ, you're spiritually alive. So we're either in Christ or in Adam. You have one nature and one nature only. If you're in Christ, you have his nature. It's who you are. It's at the core of your being. You are spiritually and eternally alive. But we have this voice that's on the inside of us. It's not us, but it's in us. So I've, I've, I've heard it explained like this. If you have um, ever had a splinter in your finger, and that's most of us, especially me, my hands are soft. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I'll stop there. Uh, you have a splinter in your finger. It's in there. It's in you, but it's not you. Right? It's annoying you. It's frustrating you. But you would never say that that's who you are. The power of sin is in you. It's bugging you. It's annoying you, it's frustrating you, but it's not who you are. You're not fighting against yourself. Maybe you had a sibling or a cousin that used to take your hand and hit you with it. Stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, right? It's stop hitting yourself. It's not who you are. Or so that's how Paul is describing it here. So let's read on verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. There are a um, couple translations here that actually use sinful nature or corrupt nature instead of flesh, but the actual Greek word, I'm feeling like, hmm, the, the actual Greek word here, <laughs> is sarki. It, it's actually flesh. All right, the reason this is important, because reading that, you, it might make you think that you have two natures, because you're, oh, there, here's a corrupt nature, or here's, here's a sinful nature, but the actual Greek word is flesh, and but flesh, it's not a different nature, right? It's the desire to accomplish something with our own human resources, independent of God. It's your own strength. Paul is saying that he knows nothing good is coming from his own resources, right? Anything good in me is from God. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, right? That, anybody, like, I, I just keep stumbling. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the, the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I keep stumbling. Verse 20, now if I do not, oh, there's a lot of do's here. Now if I do, I was doing pretty good too. Uh, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This has been called the power of sin. Paul is later going to call it the law of sin. Others would refer to this as the indwelling sin because it's on the inside of us. So whatever name you give it, whatever name it goes by, it's a strong force and it's that inside voice, that inner voice. It comes as, across as that first person and you actually think it's you speaking. Right, that night when my family's away and that strong voice sounds like me, you should watch that, you should do that. And it sounds like a tricky little sneak tricky, isn't he? But that's that misleading voice on the inside speaking to me. Knowing this, understanding this, it can help us understand a lot of different things. It can illuminate a lot. Jeff talked a little bit last week about those respected, once respected, influential Christian leaders that fell into sin. We all wonder, how does this happen? Maybe that's a question you even ask. How does a Christian do that? How do Christians act so unchristian-like? We all, pastors included, have this, that misleading voice on the inside speaking to us. Paul's admonition here is do not let the power of sin reign in you. 
that you would obey its evil desires, its passions. So we see them fall, those leaders, and we ask, were they even, were they even Christian? Well, of course they were. Of course I am. Of course you are. Will we listen to that misleading voice? So how much grace can we now have? Understanding this, knowing this, how much grace can we now have for people, this people, this people, those people, it's me, it's us. It's each one of us that we're capable of listening to and obeying that misleading voice. We all hear it and we're all tempted. But let's keep reading because Paul is not done yet. Verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I do what is right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. So he's saying, in my spirit, I love God, I love the law, and I want what God wants. But verse 23, check it. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Here's, here's where he gets, wretched man that I am, verse 24. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Wretched man that I am. So I want you real quick to go ahead and count up all the I's and all the me's that Paul uses here in this passage. I, 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 me, me, me. Count them all up and I'll save you just a little bit of time. The I's have it. Spirit puts up a big goose egg, right? This is life according to the flesh under the power of sin. What it looks like to follow that misleading voice. Paul's conclusion here is wretched man that I am. Right, under the power of sin according to the flesh this is what it looks like, and it's a miserable way to live. Has anyone experienced that? Can anyone agree? But hold on, his, his conclusion is coming, and it's pretty great. It's pretty encouraging. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus steps in on the scene, and he rescues us from the penalty of sin. Yes, from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. This is it. He's come to deliver us. Set us free. Right? Set us free from that inner voice inside us that would mislead us and try to make us lead, lead that, that sinful life. He came to break the leash, break the bondage, break the chains, break us free from that misleading voice. So let's back up to Romans 6 one more time, verse 6 in, in chapter 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. One more time, because it's, it's fun. <laughs> so that we would no longer be enslaved, it's freeing, enslaved to sin, no longer. Verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We've been set free. So for the last several years, I've been working in the mortgage industry, in one of those positions, it was this high, uh, assisting this high-producing loan officer, and he'd been through like nine assistants in three years prior to me, and he was difficult to work for, right? He created this system that was built on past failures, so there was no, no step along the way, no entity, no department that was ever trusted to actually do their work, so my job really, it was double and triple work, making sure everybody else was doing their job, and it was the longest stretch ever, Right, pity parties tonight at eight. Um, bring snacks. 
Uh, so after a series of events, I ended up back in, um, in the same branch office, but I'm working with other loan officers. So I, I didn't have to work with him. And I walked back into that office to, to set up my desk and that same stress, right, hit me for a second. But then I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to Phil. He hated being called Phil, by the way. I've been set free. I'm a new employee. He doesn't have any control, zero power over me. Now, imagine for a moment, now this never actually happened, but imagine if it had, he had come to my office and dropped off a big stack of files. That's just more visual. It's, it'd be a bunch of emails. It's, but big stack of files, and he, and he starts barking directives, right? I'd have a choice. I could get to work following his orders and working ridiculously, right? That, that cumbersome system that he had set up, or I could say, I don't think so. This is not who I am anymore. I've been made new. I follow somebody else's lead, right? I don't have to obey you as you try to reign over me to obey your evil <laughs> desires, right? If you are in Christ, who you once were has been crucified with Christ. It's dead, it's buried. You've been raised to new life. You're a new person. You are in Christ. And you're no longer a slave to the power of sin. Listen, it does not say the power of sin was crucified. It says that you were crucified. The power of sin is still alive and it's still active and it's still annoying. It's that sneaky little misleading voice. But you're no longer beholden to it. You don't work for Phil anymore. You've been set free. That is the truth, and it will change your life. Jesus has delivered you from the power of sin. I'm going to do it. I'm over. I'll apologize to the kids' workers later. So how do I know it's the Lord leading you? How do you know it's his leading voice? There's a couple quick things I want to say. It will never contradict what he's already said. It's never going to contradict the scriptures. It's never going to contradict his word. Right, the character of God is laid out. We know who he is. We know who he says he is, and he's not going to change. The leading, his leading voice will never contradict scripture. If you, if you, we're not going to turn there, but if you write it down, Galatians 5, it'll look a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That voice is going to sound a whole lot like that. Um, God is love, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant, it doesn't keep record of wrong, it doesn't want to have its own ways, it's not resentful, it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, it bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things. Number two, if it's good, it's God. Like there's, there's been times where I would uh, have a thought to send somebody a, a text saying, hey, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you. And I would start writing it out and then God would begin, that voice would begin to maybe say some specific things. And I would, I would shoot it off and it, it would change their day. They couldn't believe that a God was thinking about them and saw them where they were. If you think about people, call them, pick up the phone. If you're a millennial, send them a text. Right? Like, do that. God is speaking to you. Position yourself to hear him. Encourage. If, if he's dropping randomly, you start thinking about somebody that you haven't thought about and shouldn't be thinking about because this doesn't make any sense and it's a good thing, send it, say it. 
Encourage them. Even if you don't have, I was, I was just thinking about you, praying for you. It changed the day. I, 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 would, I would say to myself, I'm not going to miss God over money. So God, if you're calling me to give, I'm not going to miss you over a couple bucks. And he's like, okay. All right, God, I'm not going to miss you over a hundred bucks. Okay. All right, God, I'm not going to miss you over a thousand bucks. Okay. God, I'm not going to miss you over 3,000 bucks. Okay. God, I'm not going to miss you over a vehicle. Okay. And it begins to grow and you begin to trust. You begin to step out because you're hearing that voice and you begin to give, not because you have it, but because he has it and he has your heart. And you trust him and you begin to trust the leading of that shepherd that he's good. Number three, does it cause you to grow in your relationship with Christ? Is what he's speaking to you, is what he's asking you to do, is it gonna cause you to grow in your relationship? Because he's never going to ask you something that's not gonna cause you to grow closer to him or in your relationship. And the fourth thing would be with others. This is gonna cause them, that encouragement you sent to them, that prayer, that whatever, is it gonna cause them to grow in their relationship with God or develop a relationship with God or closer to God? So is, has he already said it? Is, it? is it in his word? Is it good? Are you going to grow? Are they going to grow? Those are just a, a couple real quick things of hearing the voice of God, differentiating it from that misleading voice. Let me pray with you today. God, we recognize that you are good. God, that you, you, you've never known weakness. You are gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're rich in love. God, you, your right arm is strength. You've never known defeat. God, we pray that we would hear your voice, that leading voice. God, that we would allow ourselves to be those who are led by you. God, that you would help us to understand and realize that this, the power of sin wants to rule and reign in our lives but we are new and we made new and we are no longer under the sway, under the power of sin and the death that it wants to bring in us. Thank you that you have delivered us and you are delivering us from the power of sin. We don't have to obey. We don't have to let it rain. We don't have to obey its evil desires for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 